Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the latest edition of Birds All Day. This is Birds All Day episode number 200, and in honor of episode 200, we're doing something completely different. Uh, my name is Drew Fairservice, and instead of talking about your Toronto Blue Jays this week, because, well, for a million different reasons, we're going to talk to a filmmaker. We're going to talk about film. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk with Simon Ennis, who has made a, uh, a wonderful film for, uh, it's going to air on TSN on February 11th. It is called Man versus Machine. It is about a very exciting and interesting uh, debate and the way that two uh, all-time world-class uh, great Canadian uh, athletes, their paths crossed in 1997. So joining me to do that, uh, Simon Ennis. Simon, welcome. Welcome to Birds All Day. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It is my pleasure. And of course, guys, uh, joining me as always. Uh, old Reliable. Old Reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm fine. You're fine. Good. All right. I'm glad you're fine. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more man than machine, I suppose. I can't make that claim. <laughs> I am a oh. pure machine. Also, Jacques Villeneuve is, uh, what do you say, all-time class? World-class Canadian world -class athlete. athlete. Okay. Well, you see, this film I watched, it made a compelling case for oh, I'm, team, I'm Team Jacques. I've always been Team Jacques. You, you have always been Team Jacques. Okay, so so Simon, why don't you give us and the <laughs> listeners, the people who haven't had the, the benefit of watching it, uh, as we have, uh, give them the uh, the synopsis. What are they going to see when they when they turn into watch your, watch this uh, watch this film? Sure thing. Uh, well, the film I made is part of a series that TSN is doing uh, that I think actually just launched yesterday. Uh, it's called Engraved on a Nation. They had done a series of films before a few years ago uh, that I think were all uh, centered around the CFL, but these ones are all about different sports. So the one that I made is called Man vs. Machine, and it's about 1997 when um, two Canadian athletes uh, did something that no Canadian had ever done before. We had Jacques Villeneuve was the first Canadian to win the F1 championship. And then, of course, more relevant to this show, Larry Walker was the first Canadian to ever win an MVP in Major League Baseball. So at the end of the year, uh, there was the voting for the Lou Marsh Trophy, which is the Canadian Athlete of the Year Award. And apparently it was the most contentious, biggest argument that, that the jury had ever had. Um, you know, usually... They go in for five minutes. It's obvious who the best athlete of the year was. And then they go have lunch, have some drinks, whatever. But this year it was a big battle. Um, and a lot of that was centered on, you know, whether a race car driver should really be considered an athlete. Somebody who, who kind of drives around is that, you know, uh, as is that as big of an achievement as, you know, what a baseball player, a hockey player or, a, or an Olympian uh, did. So after this big, long argument, they end up giving uh, giving the award to Jacques Villeneuve and Larry Walker, who has uh, a good sense of humor, um, was sort of quoted as saying he felt like he got beat by a machine or he was sort of quoted as beat by a machine or an engine or a car. He was just kind of making a joke, but it sort of blew up in the media. He got, you know, raked over the coals. People were saying, you know, like he was threatening Villeneuve or didn't respect him when really he was just kind of making a joke. So that's sort of the launching pad um, for this movie. But but really, it's just, to me, it was kind of an excuse to be able to do a deep dive into these two legendary 90s Canadian athletes that that I and I'm sure you guys sort of grew up watching and were aware of. And it's it was a really interesting thing for me to compare the stories of two athletes in diff totally different sports and two Canadian athletes that came from like really different backgrounds. 
Larry, he grew up in BC. Uh, he's obviously, you know, an English Canadian. He grew up dreaming of playing hockey. And when he kind of crashed out of that at 16, he just sort of fell into playing baseball and ended up becoming the the greatest Canadian baseball player of all time. Joey Votto might pass him, but at the moment, I'd say it's still Larry. On the other hand, you have Jacques, who, um, you know, grew up uh, in, well, he was born in Quebec, French-Canadian, grew up all over Europe, and his father was a legendary F1 driver of the 70s. So he grew up in this racing dynasty. He was literally, like, born to be a race, a race car driver. And they're very, very different guys in personality and in biography. They just both happen to be Canadian, and they both happen to have these, like, otherworldly years in 1997. So to me, that Lou Marsh, uh, that Lou Marsh decision and the Lou Marsh argument was really just an interesting way to kind of do a character study of these two guys. Uh, Larry Walker is nothing else if not a character. That much uh, <laughs> comes, comes through. Um, uh, you know, you had kind of confided to me that you, you, uh, you know, we we all watched and were aware people of our vintage and people who were sports aware enough to be watching, you know, Sports Desk in 1997, but uh, but. So you, you were not a huge race fan, but you kind of come and, and come to learn a lot about about uh, about racing and, and just learn about about the kind of character uh, that that uh, that Jacques Villeneuve has, and and just sort of I feel like he comes across really really well in, in the in the movie. He just seems like such a a guy who gets it, you know, in this like later stage of his of his life is not later stage of his life, but as he sort of moved away from <laughs> he's not old, he's like a young guy, but uh, as he's moved away from the from the the uh, the spotlight, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, you're you're talking about Jacques. Yeah, Jacques is a really fascinating guy. I mean, I uh, it, it was it was it was really crazy, actually. If I I can tell you guys how the sausage was was made, uh, we weren't sure we were going to get to 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 meet Jacques and film Jacques. He ended up being the first interview that I did, and I it, it was actually kind of before the film was a go, but we just had this opportunity uh, to go film with him, and I had an opportunity to talk with him. So I, I just flew to to Osoyoos in, in BC in the Okanagan Valley, which is sort of like a desert. He's designed a racetrack, and he was going to be there for a few days. So basically, I, I, I showed up, and he, you know, he said, you know, maybe, maybe you can have 15, 20 minutes with me. And we thought maybe it would be a preliminary interview, and I'd get to talk to him later. I ended up getting into this like amazing conversation with him and ended up talking to him for about two hours and it became kind of like the spine of his side of the story. Um, but he's a fascinating guy. He's, he's, you know, really, I mean, he's, I don't know how to put it exactly. I guess he's very psychologically complex uh, and he's very, very thoughtful. Um, and he's definitely not afraid to, to say what he thinks. And I think that that got him in trouble back in the 90s uh, a lot and it kind of still does to this day he's he he now does a lot of racing commentary for for french and italian television but you know as i did when i first started re researching this if you like you know just do a google search on on any of the latest jacques villeneuve news it's all kind of you know the toronto star other canadian things calling him out um you know saying that he should shut up and let like, you know, the, the, the new breed of Canadian racer talk and all this stuff, because he's, he's just kind of a guy that will, will always speak his mind, which, which I found amazing, actually. I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, that's a much more interesting thing than a lot of athletes or former athletes that just kind of, you know, speak in these cliches and, and just kind of, you know, just kind of 
tout the party line of 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 you know the the the, the general stuff that that we're supposed to hear, whereas Jacques, you know, won't at all. And he's he's still a controversial you know figure in in the Canadian sports world. And and I sort of hope this redeems him a, a little bit because if you look at his at at the four years he had up until. Uh, and including 1997, it was an unbelievable run. Uh, in 94, he had his first year in, in IndyCar. He was the rookie of the year. He basically came in second. In 1995, he wins the Indy 500 and wins the Indy Championship. Then he switches to F1, which which a lot of you know a lot of racers don't do. Go from IndyCar to F1. His first year in F1, he comes in second. He almost could have won the championship. And then in 1997, he wins the championship. Um, it, you know, it, it was an amazing run. And there, there hasn't been a race car driver from Canada like that. Um, he, he, after that peak, he, he sort of fell away fast. Um, but, but those four years, I mean, that was, it, it was just outstanding. And of course, uh, Larry Walker is, <coughs> excuse me, Larry Walker is very, you know, well known to anyone who will be listening to this. He also, um, you definitely had the opportunity to speak to a really like a wide variety of ball players that really helped to tell not only Larry Walker's story, but the, you know a lot of the Larry Walker story really connects to the Expo story and and the story of the strike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that was uh, I mean it, it's so tragic. I mean I you know we we all remember it. Um, when it happened, and I think for probably the three of us, uh, it was sort of, you know, took a backseat to the fact that the Blue Jays had just won back-to-back World Series. It certainly did for me. But looking back on it, I mean, it's so tragic. The the Expos were far and away the best team in 1994. Uh, it really, really looked like they could have gone all the way. Uh, I think that, that, that they had something like 89 or 90 wins, you know, when the season ended in August, uh, when the strike ended the season in, in August. And... You know the fact that the fact that that they didn't get the opportunity to go into the playoffs, you know, was sort of the harbinger of doom for that that franchise. Um, and you know, I, I mean, basically, baseball in Montreal never recovered from the strike. Um, so it's a, it's a really really sad thing. But but yeah, I mean, talking to talking to some of the other players, I you know, I I was really lucky to be able to talk to Pedro Martinez, and between him and Larry, they they really kind of go through that magic moment in Montreal history with the Expos. Um, but yeah, but, but going through Larry's story, I mean, getting to talk to Pedro and to um, to Randy Johnson and to Tony LaRussa and Justin Morneau, who sort of, I guess, represents the the generation of Canadian baseball player, player that Larry inspired. Um, I mean, it was an amazing thing for, for you know, a, a dyed-in-the-wool baseball fan like myself. Uh, and... Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is uh, <laughs> such a wild dude. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, it, it was really cool to see them and kind of almost uh, peel the peel the, the the layers back on that famous All Star Game uh, um, encounter that we won't uh, we won't spoil it. But uh, if you remember the when when Larry uh, Larry Walker hit uh, right handed with the helmet on backwards, um, if that has a place in your memory, I would definitely check it out almost for that alone. Uh, so the, the, the movie does a really good job of, of, of offering perspective, I think of both, both sides and saying like, yeah, what Jacques Villeneuve did was amazing. And also Larry Walker, not only was it amazing that he did it in 97, he did it in 98. He continued to win batting titles, which is sort of comes with being a Rocky, but, and he had an, this, this amazing career. Um, where do you stand? I'm going to put you on the spot. 
and do the opposite of what you've suggested as your movie. You're like, it's a character study into these two interesting people. <laughs> Answer the question for me. Is it man or machine? Who do you think should have won uh, should have won the Lou Marsh Award in 1997? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it's an easy answer, and you're not going to like it. But, I, I mean, I, I, I would have pushed for a tie. I mean, come on. Like, the, like, like, literally, these were two guys that broke equally incredible ground in the same year. I mean, it's not, you know, most other years, it's like, you know, they give it to, like, Wayne Gretzky or somebody. Or they give, they give it to somebody that just won, you know, four Olympic gold medals. And it's so obvious. But here you literally have the first ever MVP and the first ever F1 champion. Um, you know, they ended up, the, the, the reason that the judges say that they gave it to Villeneuve was because his international stature was larger that f1 you know f1 isn't just north america i mean it actually only has a small sort of uh, footprint in north america but it's all across europe south america kind of ev everywhere in the world whereas baseball is just uh you know well mlb at least is just the us and canada uh and that was the that was the, the deciding factor uh for them and i mean i guess if if you have to pick one, that's fine. But I don't think that one, uh, you know, I, I don't think that 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 either one of their achievements is better than the other. So, yeah, I, I, I would go tie. And I mean, they ended up giving it to Larry in 98 when he he won his first batting title. Um, so I, I guess he got uh, he got a little bit of payback the, the next year. But I, I don't see why they couldn't have handed out two trophies in 1997. Stoughton, you're still team jock. I mean, I think Elvis Stoiko was robbed, but otherwise, uh, <laughs> I am Team Chuck. I, I, what I what I like about this in this discussion is uh, uh, it's not going to be as funny as I think. But so uh, you know, the way that we reminisce about the the Expos story and the strike year that we you guys were just talking about uh, kind of makes them like the de facto champions, just because the the you know the World Series didn't happen that year, which is much like the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays because the World Series didn't happen that year either. And so <laughs> we really only remember that the Blue Jays were just the best team in baseball. And then had the World Series happened, they probably would have won. <laughs> I don't think yeah. there's any doubt in that. <laughs> I mean, it, it is something of like a philosophical debate. And, and that, I the, the Jacques Villeneuve was much more widely known across the world. Um, it's relevant and I think it matters to something like the Lou Marsh Award, which is sort of nebulous in its criteria. But you go back and you look at that 1990 season for Larry Walker, and it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. It was like a 10-win year. He slugged 720. I mean, again, that's Colorado in, in 1997, so it's not the most reliable. But it, but we're still talking about a uh, like a 178 OPS+. plus. I mean, this was a bonkers, bonkers year. And it is a guy. And I, and I, and I was really compelled. I mean, I, I kind of joke with Stoughton that, I, I, how much do we know about Larry Walker? I mean, I didn't know. I don't know too much about him. I know he's people love him, and he's a big giant. He he's really affable, but he also comes off a little. Well, I don't know, maybe a little silly. I don't yeah. know that I knew that about him, but uh, it, it, he definitely. He, there's a line that he has about just kind of letting his mind go blank, and at the risk of insulting him, I would say <laughs> that I think that comes naturally to Larry Walker. <laughs> Well, I I, th I think that uh, that uh, that that's actually, and I found this out a little bit later because I interviewed him before some of the other people. I think that that's a little bit kind of part of the act, and I don't know if it's just an act, but I think it's sort of how it's it's part of the 
persona that kind of helps him be who he is. Because, I mean, he really says he's a seatball, hitball kind of guy and that he doesn't try and think. And I, when I was talking to some other people about it, when I talked to Justin Morneau about it, he basically... And this kind of didn't make the film because, you know, I only had an hour and I'm trying to deal with both of these guys' stories. I mean, really, it could like I could have done an hour on on both of these guys because mm-hmm. their their stories go on longer. But but Justin told me sort of, you know, semi off the record or at least, you know, it, I guess it actually wasn't off the record. It was it was during the thing. I just didn't use it that that's kind of like Larry's shtick. Like he says, oh, I just kind of just try and. I just try and hit the ball. I just try and do my best. I just, you know, uh, try not to think. But then, you know, when Justin would call him up when, you know, he was a younger player uh, and ask him like, well, you know, but what do you do, you know, late in the game against a tough lefty reliever when there's a man on, then he'd start kind of getting into a little bit more. And you could really see that, 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 that below this or behind this, there was actually kind of a lot of stuff going on. Um, it, it may also just be because Larry, I mean, both these guys, obviously, I mean, any, any, anyone who can achieve at this level, both these guys are unbelievably competitive. I think actually with Larry, something that, that he derives the competitive edge from was being sort of underrated, you know, think, you know, having people thought like, oh, this kind of kid doesn't know anything and, 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 you know, he's, he's going to be an easy out or, 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 you know. Like we can just forget about him, which I think came out from the fact that he didn't really learn baseball till he was about 16. I mean, he played some like softball and then he ended up just sort of falling into baseball. And there's um, there's some stories in the film of of of, you know, not knowing some basic rules when he was in the minor leagues. That that's 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 pretty hilarious. Like, I mean, the, 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 the sort of famous one is is he was on first ball was hit for the to the outfield. He made it past second. He slid into third. Uh, and then he looked back and the ball was caught and the third baseman said, okay, you got to get back to first. You got to get back to first. And he didn't realize you have to touch second. So he just ran right across the the infield, like running across the pitcher's mound, beat the throw. The umpire called him out. And then apparently he just cursed out the umpire because he was saying like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, I'm, I was here before the throw got here. <laughs> and so the, the umpire had to explain to him the rule. He, you know, went back to the dugout. His whole team was laughing at him and, and, you know, he never made that mis- mistake again. <laughs> Look, you know what? In in Walker's defense, the car isn't very bright either. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. uh, Do you remember the show called Knight Rider? No, that was a smart car. That car had all kinds of great advice. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think Villeneuve's car was uh, anywhere near that level. So So credit to Jacques then, in other words. Well, that's what I'm saying. Team Jacques, yeah. Team Jacques. It it feels like... um, just going on what you've said, and and again the the the, I mean you talked to some great racers as well, uh, yeah. And there, and I it was really fun for me to watch it where, um, you know Michael Schumacher almost plays this the in the in the movie you he you kind of put not painted him into but like, uh, he it's almost like an eight like an eight ninety style Eastern European villain and and, <laughs> and, it, and it, he wears it you know it, it comes very very <laughs> yeah. naturally yeah to Michael Schumacher <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no he's what, what's the line he says when 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 the the reporter kind of calls him out and says that that you know people are saying that that he's he's too rough and he's he's trying to cause cra- crashes he says something like I'm not here to give presents. 
which uh, yeah. <laughs> which was a, my, my editor Tiffany and I we really we really like that that's like a sort of proto version of the classic reality TV show thing I'm not here to make friends I, I really like that I'm not here to give presents but yeah no I mean he is uh, he he was he was a bit of a bad boy I mean look he Michael Schumacher is the winningest race driver in history so I mean obviously he is an exceptional incredible athlete race car driver champion you know there's no two ways about it. Um, but you know, in the, in, in 1997, I mean, he was, he was coming off, he had, he had, you know, knocked other racers, including Damon Hill, who I, I talked to, you know, out of a race to win a championship. Um, and that's against the rules and, and the, the, you know, FIA had come down hard against him, uh, you know, about that. And he tried it with Jacques and it didn't work. And that's, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's how Jacques won his dramatic, you know, the, the last race yeah. uh, in 1997. And, and it, and it, it got him the championship. And I mean, you know, he couldn't have done it in a, in a more exciting fashion, really. And, you know, you've also got David Coulthard in the film. And as you said, Damon Hill, um, but it, now you have you are a baseball fan you know i've we've known you as you know listener to the show and and we engage with you know interact on twitter and stuff all the time it feels like there's in it as you said you could do an hour on each guy talking to randy johnson talking to to justin morno talking to pedro martinez talking to you know the people um in canada baseball that that you interviewed there could be almost an entire other amazing baseball movie to be made, even just sitting down with those, the, those handful of guys and, and getting stories out of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'd say of, of all the people I talked to, I mean, Jacques and Larry were kind of special cases because I had like, you know, a, a few hours with them and I kind of spent most of a day with those guys. But of the, of the other people that I talked to, I mean, Pedro Martinez was like, like the half an hour I talked to him or so it was just amazing. I mean, he's just like a warm, genuine, smart, guy that's like you know he, he he was just really really in it i mean and he had such he has such a love for montreal and such a love for canada i mean when when i left afterwards he he literally was just like tell canada i love them it's it's you know my second home he felt so embraced by it and it was really funny because you know m most of these talking to the baseball uh the the baseball players and and baseball people um I connected with them through the teams. So usually I was kind of dealing with, uh, or, you know, my, my producers and I were dealing with uh, PR people with the Twins or the Diamondbacks or the Red Sox. And so, you know, whenever I'd go somewhere, I'd usually, you know, g go to the stadium, be put in a, a room somewhere, and then, you know, have a PR person come in saying like, you know, oh, whoever's going to be ready in 10 minutes and then walk them in. With Pedro, it was the total opposite. I, I, I was sort of in the media room at Fenway Park, which um, I know you guys have discussed this on, on, on the show beforehand. Fenway really is, you know, not built for today. So the media room is like this tiny... It's a polite tiny... way to say that it's a toilet, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, look, I... I, I, I I hate Boston. I hate the Red Sox. Like, you know, I, as, as a dyed in the wool Jays fan, I have to say that like walking around the stadium, being around there, I was completely swept up into, into just sort of classic romance of baseball lore. That being said, the facilities are quite small. And I was in this media room, which is, which is very small and literally like the door from the media room opens to the door where the the players workout room is and you can like literally hear you know players lifting weights next door in the media room so when i was when i was there i'd, I'd interviewed tony larusa in the morning 
and then was just sort of waiting around and, and Pedro was going to show up at, at some point. And instead of being like walked in by PR people in suits or whatever, literally the door to the weight room just opened and Pedro poked his head in with a big smile and said, oh, does somebody want to say hi to me? And I was like, oh, hey. And he just came in. He like immediately like, you know, was was just all smiles and handshakes and hugs and just kind of shared these amazing stories of Larry and Montreal. And it, it was just great. I mean, you know, like he's he's of that vintage that we are i mean as is as is randy johnson that like you know talking to this guy uh you know is is like talking to a legend one of the best pitchers i'd ever seen and he was such he was just such a wonderful dude to chat with it was really uh it was really something special traded for mark langston the legendary <laughs> mark langston i mean i would yeah i mean i don't know if he did anything after that how his career went but uh mark langston that's uh <laughs> that's that's line one in the obituary, I think, for Randy Johnston. Well, those are big I, just, I think I just said Johnston. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, well, Randy Johnston, you are absolutely right. Some of his numbers, especially as at a time, you know, as an older guy who really struggled with his control, everyone probably remembers in the early days in his career in Montreal. Um, but he was also had a real reputation as a real prickly dude. Yeah, he was kind of eccentric, I think, and his time in New York was not the best, and I, I think that colored some people's impression of him. But he comes across again, really like really warm and really engaging and kind of funny. And and I know him as he, uh, a photographer. He's like he takes beautiful photos. Yeah, but uh, but you know, again, the the impression or the the reputation. In 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 the movie, I don't know if it's so the the it's movie magic, frankly, and it is the the, <laughs> the, the sign of a good director is someone who's made these uh, guys at ease and let them talk about somebody who they respect and really liked being around. I think. Well, I think that's actually you know part of the part of the function of how beloved Larry is uh, by these other guys, and rightly so because I mean the little bit of time I spent with Larry. You know, he's a really genuine guy. And I mean, you can tell, like, I, I, I went to uh, I went to Larry Walker Field in, in Maple Ridge, B.C., his hometown. Um, we went and we, uh, we we kind of filmed him just kind of taking a few swings uh, at the field there. And it was it, it was actually pretty amazing. He could still hit them like literally out of the park, even though apparently he hadn't picked up a bat in two years and he was wearing flip flops. Um, <laughs> but he's just like such an incredibly strong guy. Anyway, um, uh, hanging out with him there and kind of just seeing like, you know, I, there, there, there were games going on. There were a few hundred people around. And he literally, you know, made time for everybody. He was he was just really happy to to talk to people and engage with people. Uh, and I think it comes across. I mean, he's just a genuine and, and generous guy. And because of that, I think that this is why these other players kind of loved talking talking about him. I mean, it was it was easier than I think it would be on another project to get to Randy Johnson, Tony Larusa, Justin Morneau. Pedro Martinez, people like that, because you say Larry Walker and they say, yeah, I want to talk about that guy. Apparently, Randy doesn't really do interviews anymore, or at least really rarely does. Um, it was funny. I was one of the people that I uh, that I also interviewed to talk about um, Larry's Hall of Fame case, uh, Jay Jaffe from from Fangraphs, who I know you guys uh, know a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just come from the Randy Johnson interview and he said, like, oh, wow, he talked to you like he he. He barely will do anything. And, um, you know, it was it was pretty funny because I, I literally like flew to Phoenix, Arizona. I went to Chase Field 
And Randy had no idea that he was going to be doing an interview with me today. Literally, a PR person said, go in that room for five minutes. And he walked in and walked. He had no idea what he was up for. But when I was like, oh, I'm from Canada and I'm here to talk about Larry Walker, he sat down with me for for a few minutes. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he 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 was he was very, very, very nice to me. But um, he, he's the kind of guy that I think does not like to do interviews. So it was uh, it, it was a slightly weirder con- conversation. But he uh, but I mean, he, he has <laughs> nothing but the utmost respect for for Larry. Um, and, you know, he, he told some good, good, good stories there, too. So it was it was a treat to meet him. I mean, he he to me like, you know, non Blue Jays players of my youth. I think Randy Johnson sort of occupied like, you know, just a, a, a giant part of my baseball imagination. I mean, uh, you know, how could he not? I think, I, you know, just like that look and that hair and, you know, how tall he was and how just like filthy a pitcher he was. It was, I mean, you know, killing the, killing the dove. It's, you know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, Randy Johnson, the big unit, like, is there a more legendary nineties mulleted baseball player than that? Well, if you're going to add mullet as a, as a qualifier, <laughs> then yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I think Randy Johnson is a guy that I didn't appreciate as much when I was younger. I, I was like, yeah, he's tall, whatever. And then now oh, I sure. realized, no, it was no, what he did wasn't normal. None of the stuff that he did was normal at all. Uh, I do remember watching his perfect game. It was on TBS. Yeah. And like uh, a friend of mine, we were at my parents' house and we saw like on some archaic internet that he had a perfect game going through four or five innings. And then we ran and, and watched it and it was bonkers. And he almost, it was almost apologetic as, as I recall, maybe that was like a terrible team that he played on because he played on some truly spectacularly bad Diamondbacks teams back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So you you mentioned Jay. You talked to Jay Jaffe, which is great. And, and uh, Jay was sort of in, in that, um, in the guise of the Hall of Fame whisperer. Um, yeah. You know, did, did you have a, a much of an opportunity to talk to Larry, to Larry about that? Like what is in your mind, does, does Larry Walker think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame one day? Um, no, well, he told me that he doesn't think he will, or that if he does, it would be through the veterans committee. I mean, I, I asked him about it. I, you know, again, we, we, we cover the, the hall of fame thing in, in sort of, you know, the, the, the sort of legacy of his career, but mm-hmm. you know, not having too much time, I couldn't dig too deep in it. And in the end, I actually thought it was more, um, just more appropriate, more powerful to hear about should Larry be in the hall of fame from Jay and from, Randy and Pedro and 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 uh, Tony Larusa. Um, but when I asked him about it, um, I asked him if he thought he would go in, and he said no. Um, and you know, obviously he would like to, but he, uh, you know, he's 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 definitely he's definitely very comfortable with what he did in his career, or he's at least at, at peace with it. I mean, he had an amazing career. The only knock against him really is that that he was injured a lot. Um, you know, if he had been able to stay on the field more, I don't think that that would be much of a question. I mean, there's the Coors Field effect, which you brought up. But, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, the three of us are into the advanced metrics that can account for that. And, you know, those that do still lift, you know, list him as an all-time great right fielder. Uh, Jay's, you know, Jaws metric lists him as the 10th best right fielder of all time. And like, literally it's nine, no doubt about it, Hall of Famers. And then Larry, it's, you know, like, you know, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Harold um, Baines. For, yeah, Harold. Well, actually, you know what? I, it's, it's, it's funny. I think, I think, I think I sent, I think I actually like emailed Jay 
one of the graphics that we were using that's based on his uh, his metric that 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 literally shows like nine Hall of Fame plaques and then Larry. And I think I might have said something. It was right after the Harold Baines thing. It was like, well, okay, now like Larry's definitely going to get in on the Veterans Committee. I mean, if Harold Baines could get in, then uh, for sure. But but the Coors Field effect, like you know, we can we can look at we can look at at some of the saber metrics that account for that. And also, I mean, 1997, he hit more home runs away from Coors Field than he did at home. Actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's it's obviously Coors has an effect. It's a great place to to hit. Larry says it in the film. I you know I definitely wanted to to address it, but I, I don't think it takes it away from. Him. I think although. I think it's kind of a perfect storm that's that's kind of kept him relatively uh, kind of low on on the ballot in recent years. Part of it is Coors Field for sure. Part of it is the injuries and you know how he only played I think over 140 games like four or five years. Um, but partly it's the expos. Partly it's the expos things. I mean, there are not a lot of writers in the you know the writers from Montreal that are still voting. Um, also, you know he didn't really he didn't have any 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 playoff um you know any memorable playoff runs through the bulk of his career in 2004 when he was traded to St. Louis yeah. he, he he finally he finally made it to the World Series 10 years after he probably should have with the Expos and in that in in that playoffs he just was he was an older guy he was a veteran but he was just totally on fire he hit two home runs in every series in the playoffs that year in the world series he hit over 400 but what's the what's the story of the 2004 world series the red sox winning for the first time in fucking forever mm-hmm. so you know it's just a bunch of these things like he he, he you know there there were just a a few things here and there that have come together in this perfect storm that kind of discount him a bit. That said, he, he jumped from, I think like in the thirties to in the fifties from last year to this year in the voting next year is his last year. And there's a chance. I mean, Jay was, was even just saying on, on Twitter uh, when I was tweeting out about this, this film coming out that he's actually more cautiously optimistic about Larry's chances than he was when he spoke in the film or even, you know, a couple of months ago. But, but since that latest jump, there is actually a chance that next year he just squeaks in. If not, I'm pretty sure he'll get in. Um, he'll get in, in the veterans committee, but, but hopefully he can get in uh, on the vote. Uh, and I know I'm saying this to, to, to people who would, uh, to two guys who would happily just fire the hall of fame into the sun, but even so I'd, I'd like to see his plaque there. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's uh, absolutely. He belongs to be there. He and Scott Rowland are guys who suffer from playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knew? Who knew this was coming? Uh, <laughs> they they suffer from being all, better all around and being strong defenders at not shortstop, uh, and it makes it difficult. Uh, it is all, the other thing that I think about, and obviously a name that's very much on the tip of Blue Jays fans' tongues is uh, there's a certain mythology with being an Expos great. Especially yeah. as it after nineteen ninety four when the team really started to just sink away into obscurity and well, part, part of that was because they lost Larry Walker. Well part of, but they gained <laughs> but, but, I, but they gained Vlad and and Vlad Guerrero Sr. Um, has a like a, a insane mythology about him. And they're similar players. Larry Walker, I don't think anyone would argue is a better player, but I think people remember <laughs> Vlad as being better than he was, and maybe people don't appreciate Larry Walker for being quite as good as he was. Everybody knew he was good, 
he was a great player for the Expos, and then he went to Colorado, and he continued being a great player there. But but I think you, I think you're absolutely right that there is that sort of mystique around Expos players and guys who guys who stuck it out and guys who were known as being Expos players. And, and I think we see that with Vlad Guerrero, and and now we're seeing it with Larry Walker. Larry Walker also now has this; he had the extra bonus of being a Canadian player in a Canadian city. So it's uh, he, he's absolutely like a really compelling figure and and it's a really uh, compelling film and we we shouldn't gloss over uh Jacques Villeneuve Stoughton team well, Jacques you mean on our baseball podcast we shouldn't gloss over the uh the F1 guy uh, <laughs> well I was gonna say you know you said that uh, you know everybody knows that Larry Walker was great but uh the people who seem to know the least are the ones who uh submit Hall of Fame ballots, but don't publicize them. Because I think he took a hit, right, compared to the public ones that uh, uh, the, that uh, not Mr. Tibbs, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, whatever his last name is, with an X in there. I don't want to mispronounce it, so I'm just going to screw the question. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, right, like, it looked like he had stronger support among the people who were making their ballots public uh, because those people are submitting fewer fucking embarrassing ballots and uh and i'm hopeful that some of the the crop of the non-public embarrassing ones will at least die off in the next year or so <laughs> and that uh and that hopefully that will help give him a, an extra push yeah i uh i uh, i couldn't agree more <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it is funny though because it, it feels like he gets dinged and i think simon you would you would agree that he gets penalized for playing at coors which distort his his numbers in a way but the thing that that coors is the best at is manufacturing batting champions so he's got all these batting titles which you think those older school guys would would appeal to them where people who look at things in a, in a bit of a different from a different perspective might see like oh he also never ever 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 got out he just didn't do it he never struck out he walked a lot just a great player and uh and, and and uh, and again, he just seems like a really cool, fun kind of silly guy, and uh, the kind of guy you'd love to probably have a beer or fifty with. Yeah, also, no, yeah. <laughs> for, for sure. And his his the the thing too is that, and and this was the thing that was kind of surprising to me because, like, you know, as a sort of casual fan of Larry, I mean, I you know, I watch more Blue Jays games. Uh, it was you know in the nineties, it was harder to see Rockies games or or even Expos games, um, but his base running was exceptional as well. And his defense was amazing. I mean, some of the throws, I think there was one I, I put in there that, that Larusa brought up to me of him kind of throwing a runner out from deep right field uh, to home plate, a perfect strike to throw a pretty fast runner out. And there's, you know, going through, you know, all, all the tape to, to, to create the archival material for this film. I saw time and time again, these like, incredible throws where he just puts his whole body into it. He comes off his feet and then throws runners out at third base or at the plate. I mean, you know, I, we were all used to some form of that with, with Bautista for a few years. It's like that, but way better and way more times. I mean, it's really kind of staggering. You think of him as just a slugger, but he was so much more than that. Well, that's because people were afraid to run on Jose. Let's, let's be honest here. Uh, I think the nine, the nine three putout thing. People will really know that. You see, the nine three putouts are like Amazing. pitchers. Yeah. Pitchers yeah. get thrown out nine three. They get thrown out of first base. I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the guys who gets thrown out by Larry Walker at first base on a on what would be a single is Tony Fernandez. 
That is a hundred percent correct. Yeah, I think wow. we, uh, I at one point in the cut when it was a bit longer, I think I actually kind of focused on that because obviously, you know, being a <laughs> being a being a, a Blue Jays fan, like any any way to get a little Tony Fernandez in there would be would be terrific. But I think now it's just there's a little flash of it in the movie. But yeah, I mean that's that's that that is sort of one of his iconic uh, highlights. Um, and yeah, and Fernandez was fast. I mean, he was a fast runner back then. You know, you, you know who's actually was also fast is uh, Omar Vizquel, <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, if I'm if I'm building a team from scratch and I can take Omar Vizquel's uh, career from like plate appearance one to the end of it versus Larry Walker's career, uh, I'm taking Vizquel, uh, and that's because I'm a giant fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, um, Simon, <laughs> when and where can people? Catch Man vs. Machine. Uh, well, uh, people can catch Man vs. Machine, part of the Engraved on a Nation series on TSN. Uh, it's premiering this m- upcoming Monday, uh, February 11th at 7.30 p.m. I think on TSN 1 for, I think, like a few of the TSN channels. And it'll be repeated, and I imagine you can watch it on TSN Go afterwards. And it's a, it's a pretty cool series. There are, like, five other films. I've seen a couple of them, and I know a couple of the people that made them. They're all, like, very, very different, very, very interesting sports na- Canadian sports narratives uh, that involve everything from, like, TFC fans to... Uh, wrestlers to long distance swimmers. The one that just aired yesterday was on Donovan Bailey. So there's some really cool stories there, and I, I definitely encourage people to watch them all. Nice. And where else can people find you in your work? Oh, um, well, I guess you can. I mean, the last the last film I made. I mean, I haven't done any kind of other sports things. The last uh, movie I made was a feature doc that played at uh, TIFF and South by Southwest and kind of other international film festivals. It was called Lunar Sea. It's about uh, people who are obsessed with the moon. Um, you'd be able to find that on like iTunes and kind of all the regular online places. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Simon, for coming on and talking to us and, and letting us get a look at this uh, film before it goes before it airs. So again, thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, it's, it's been our pleasure for sure. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. Make sure you check out man versus machine on, uh, the 11th when it airs. Uh, my name is drew fair service. His name somewhere over there is Andrew Stoughton. Uh, I'm just thinking about how Steve Nash should have won like seven Lou Marshes and what a fucking travesty that is. Uh, not that anybody asked, but <laughs> I, I think I think he definitely won one and he might've won two. I'm pretty sure. Not enough. Not yeah. enough. Yeah, that's right. Can I just ask you one question? Uh-huh. They gave me a car one year. I don't know if you know about this. Simon, <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your question? My, yeah, my, my, my question was, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, because we've, we've sort of brought this up in the background a little bit. Stoughton is Team Jacques on the 97 Lou Marsh Trophy. I, I just want to know why. What, what, what would your uh, reasons be? I mean, they're, they're no less athletes than baseball players. Are you familiar with baseball? It's... Uh, <laughs> It's like a leisure activity. More of a pastime than a sport, <laughs> yeah. really. Well, I, I wouldn't argue that, that that race car drivers are not athletes. They definitely are. I mean, I actually I I did two laps at Jacques uh, Jacques um, race track he designed in like a weird like multi million dollar racing Porsche with him, and literally almost threw up. And he was probably going about thirty percent of what he normally does. <laughs> um, so I, I I can absolutely. You know, I, I, I totally, I totally respect them as athletes. I'm, I'm just curious as to why you would, uh, why, why you would lean towards that in 1997. Well, if, if you must know, it's because I'm a bit of a contrarian dickhead. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Fair enough. That's that's as good a, that's as good an answer as any of the Lumarsh panel had. That's the most honest answer I could give you. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing, the thing about being athletes, uh, Villeneuve mentions that his heart rate averages about 160 beats per minute when he's in the car, and it gets up into the 190s when he's out, you know, making an overtake. No baseball player's heart rate has ever been that high in a game <laughs> ever, not once. Uh, maybe Tim Raines. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. You, yeah, the, the 86, a few members of the 86 Mets might disagree with you. For Simon Ennis, thanks for joining us. For Andrew Stone, my name is Drew Ferris, and we'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>